Hi, welcome to the Fix Your Sex Podcast, where we talk all things sex. I am your host, Amina, and I'm a sacred sex coach, tantric body worker, pleasure activist, and all-around sexual revolutionary. I'm here to share my thoughts and hot takes on how and why we're still having bad sex in the 21st century, and hopefully giving you tools so that you can have great sex for the rest of your life. Quick disclaimer, this podcast is geared towards grown-ups, so... Um, there are sensitive topics being discussed if you are under 18 or someone who doesn't really like cuss words. This is the time to leave. Otherwise, you've been warned and you're welcome to stay. So on today's show, I have a special guest. I'm very excited. I have Carolyn Shola-Arewa in the studio with us today. And um, we'll, we'll get to introduce her a little bit in a moment. But first, as per usual, we're going to start with the pro-ho tip of the day. And today's pro-ho tip is to stop apologizing for the boundaries that you've set. And this is especially important um, for anyone that works in any type of sex industry where they've set certain boundaries and the first thing to do when someone tries to step over them is to apologize for them. I'm sorry, you have to do this. Or, I'm sorry, I have a screening process. Or I'm sorry, these are the boundaries that I've set to make myself feel good. And that's not how boundaries are supposed to work. And you should feel better about the rules that you've set to make sure that you have the best life possible. So stop apologizing. Be grateful for the boundaries that you've set and expect nothing but gratitude in return for them. Allow people to say thank you for letting me know that was your boundary instead of apologizing for them. Every old hoe knows this tip to be true. Today's pro ho tip is brought to you by Rooted Foods Atlanta. You can catch them serving up nice vegan food at pop-ups throughout Atlanta at various events. You can follow them at Rooted Foods ATL on Instagram. So, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, um, we have a special guest. We have Shola Arewa in the studio with us today. And for those of you who are not familiar, let me just tell you, you're in for a special treat. Shola Arewa is known as the energy, jo- energy doctor, and she has transformed lives worldwide for 35 years with pioneering and award-winning work. Um, Shola is excited about combining her passion for health and journaling and writing and the chakra system and the alchemy of energy. Um, She is a trailblazer in the field of wellness coaching. She trains coaches in the energy-based integral approach to well-being. She created her own training program, Energy for Life, um, and she's, uh, she's the visionary behind it. Her mission is to positively increase health, happiness, and success while sharing tools and techniques that facilitate mindfulness and conscious self-care rituals and routines. So um, I want to just say thank you, thank you, thank you for coming in. I um, Just to give you a brief introduction of like how we even got here, I had a client who and a friend, who was someone I consider a friend as well, a student who was leaving a class and looked and said, you know, thank you, the work that you've been doing has really opened me up and and, you know, I was reading and opening to spirit and, you know, and when Shola says this and I didn't know who she was talking about. Mm-hmm. What? She did not know <laughs> me. And so I went and got the book and then it was like after like two days of reading the book, I went like, who is this woman? So I started watching YouTube videos and then I found her website. 
um, shola.co.uk and I just became like, I said, okay, I gotta get everything she's got. I gotta get all the information she's got because it's so amazing. Your breadth of knowledge is expansive. It's been going, I mean, but probably longer, you're, you're, you're not, you're, you can't really say it. I can't say it. I know, like, you've been studying for like longer than that. What she's really trying to say is, that's longer than some people have been alive. Yeah, it's longer. You can't say that. I can't say that. I'm trying to say, how do I say this actually? But most of, many of my students, my listeners, I mean, you, you know, people are like, oh, this chakra and this energy stuff is all new age. And I'm like, uh-uh. We got to know. So, ancient system. Yeah. So, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me to be here today. So, I'm really happy to be here in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Yay. So, I'm really happy to be here, really happy to be on the show today as well. Yes. Well, thank you for, for joining us. And we had an amazing weekend with Sharla studying, um, just going over energy and ecstasy at a retreat that we had at the Institute and um, we, it's just been so eye-opening. I was speaking to some of my um, team today, and they were just saying how energetically you've changed the Institute. The, the space feels differently with just having your presence there. So it's, it's just really eye-opening. So I want to just say, if you, first of all, thank you for that. But also thank you for this, this work, because to me, opening to spirit is really... Um, it's really the Grey's Anatomy, if you will, of, of chakra studies, and especially for, for black women, for black people, um, trying to come, in, come to terms with understanding the chakra system, while also, especially for many of us, moving away from uh, neo-traditional religions that you know, have been kind of instilled into our communities. And then we have this piece of brilliance. And, and so I want to say thank you just for for being, for existing, um, and that, and for having that energy in the space, because that is really what made, like, the pro-ho tip of the day, for me, is watching the way in which you, um, you express what your boundaries and your needs are so confidently and, and harmlessly. It's such a beautiful thing to see, and I always teach that we're not responsible for the feelings of others, and not to be irresponsible with them. But watching you move like that has just been so powerful. And I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit about just like how you, how you get there, how you become this this divine being that can just, you know, really know that you what you, what. You know, I mean, it's kind of really, it's kind of special to hear you say it. I'm also kind of like, oh my god, <laughs> what did I do with other people's feelings? <laughs> and and at the same time, I also haven't, heard, you know, I also have heard it before. And you know, one of the first things, one of the first things that, that I often say is, put yourself in the equation. Mm. You know, so I think that's just one of the main things is that you're also in the equation. You know, if you can't say no to people sometimes, then you're saying no to yourself all of the time. Yeah. And so I think it's about it's about kind of like up leveling and upgrading yourself. Yeah. You know, and that sense of self love and how you position yourself so that 
we're part of the equation. And, and then I think it just feels okay to take our own needs into account. Mm -hmm. And so then when we're making decisions, when we're asking for things, when people are asking us for things, then we're just part of the equation. Right. You know, right. and we're able to, you know, say yes when that feels really right and to say no when it's not right. You know, right. and be okay with it. Be okay with that. And we need to do that. We need to be able to do that so that when we're giving, we're giving from that place of kind of richness. Right. You know, right. and I think of that as overflow. Mm -hmm. So we have to be full. You know, so we have to nurture self. We have to fill our own cup because everyone knows you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you have to be able to fill your own cup and then what you give when the time is right is going to be so much more... I think you're going to be able to give the quality of energy that you really want to give. Right. As right. opposed to that kind of... You know, that kind of funky energy, that kind of resentful energy, that not-so-good energy. Mm -hmm. That when you say yes, when you really need to be saying no, that is not good energy. Right, yeah. That's really not good energy. And so and that's such a common practice. Like people that's are, right. People are accustomed to saying yes when they want to say no. And a lot of that, I believe, just moves us from this space of fear um, fear of loneliness, fear of abandonment, fear, yeah. uh, and, but it doesn't give us, it doesn't empower us to yeah. be, you know, who we're supposed to be, and it doesn't empower them either, yeah. and that's what I mean when I say we're not responsible for the feelings of others, as soon as we start trying to manage someone else's feelings, yeah. how do they get to actually be a human, we're like putting buffers around them, yeah. instead of allowing them to run, you know, run the gamut of emotions that they yeah. That's right, that's right. So. to be able to really, really expand. And I think it's also about being, taking responsibility and about being kind of conscious about how we move in the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, I teach about awareness and consciousness and kind of becoming, all of those things and unfolding. And so I guess, you know, I need to be able to, you know, mirror that right. as well. You know, I need to be able to be in a place where I'm at ease with yeah. those things, if, if that's what I'm going to teach. So when I hear that reflected back to me, you know, sometimes I don't even notice. Mm -hmm. In fact, there was, I was in, I, I like to call it Maryland, but I understand that's not what it's really called. Oh, <laughs> Maryland. 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 Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, that's Maryland. Yeah, we could say Maryland, that's what it says, but anyway, Maryland. <laughs> And someone was picking me up from my hotel, and I was going to go and give a talk in Bowie University. Okay. And so she came to get me, and I got in the car, and then I said, oh, just a minute, I need to get out, because I need to tell them about the sheets on the mm -hmm. bed, because there was the, the chemicals used on it, you know, was making me kind of ill at night and stuff. So I said, oh, let me just go and let them know. And so I got out of the car and went and did what I needed to do, then I got back in. But what I didn't realize was that as I did that, the impact that it had on the person picking me up. Yes. Because she was saying, you know, the degree that you're taking care of what you need. You know, and I suppose some small things, sometimes they're easy to just not do. 
Right, but it know? does. It's not. It's not necessarily ease. I think we get to a space right where we think things are easy because they're not making someone else uncomfortable. And so that, you know, it's it's just so different. But you had the impact at the Institute on everyone with just being who you are and just, I think, speaking your truth, just being honest. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, not, it's not brutally honest. I'm not trying to harm mm-hmm. anyone or leave any bruises. I'm just, this is these are what my needs are. This is what I desire. Mm-hmm. How can anyone really get, you know, no one had any hard feelings. Mm-hmm. And so once people realize that, they're around somebody who can move so divinely and, and be conscious and aware and then also just be very direct, like, oh, I want this. And they don't have to pussyfoot around anything. Mm-hmm. You just say what you mean. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, oh, okay. Yeah, because sometimes, now you're making me kind of connect as well, because sometimes air energy, mm-hmm. where we're trying to say something, but we're going a little bit this way, a little bit that way, a little bit over there. People don't even know what it is you're trying to say. <laughs> and so sometimes it's easier for other people as well to have clarity. Yes. So to just be able to say, I don't want that, or I want to do this at this time, or can we do that later, or whatever it is that you need to say that makes it easy as well for the other person who also, you know, some of the time want you to have your needs met. Right. as well but they don't know what it is and so they can't do that right and so right. we're supporting that process by being clear mm-hmm. you know? yes absolutely that's that's beautiful I um it's interesting having you around because when you're reading a book like this you've seen like there's going to be this person that comes in that almost just floats on air and <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what I was expecting but two books that were really life-changing this year were pleasure activism and this book for me, and this is my 42nd year on the planet, mm-hmm. and which is a big number, 77, and so I'm like looking at the numbers thinking, okay, things are falling, I'm getting this information, and moving into, it's just a little bit, my, my, my work looking a little bit differently this year, where I'm not as client focused, and I'm doing a lot more teaching, and a lot more listening. And I feel like way more learning, even though I'm I'm constantly learning. I think this year has been more learning. And when I got this book, um, it really it opened up something different in me. In that, hearing someone um, speak about the body and and all of this in the body, and not separating sensuality and not separating um, the erotic body from the spiritual body. It was really confirming, you know what I mean? Like it made me, it's validating. It makes me feel feel seen and like, okay, this this work is not just something I'm making up. Like this is real, and sometimes you feel like this. And I'm just hoping that maybe you could talk a little bit about like your yoga journey, and I mean, you've done a lot, <laughs> and just how you get to this space, and and kind of maybe even a little about the awakening that you you have when you're looking at the church and looking at the body and looking at the chakras and how do you get to this space because I think uh, one of the things particularly when writing opening to spirit um, when writing opening to spirit and when writing I think way for chakras energy for life for me sexual energy it's the most important energy and most powerful energy that we have so how am I going to write a book about energy 
Mm-hmm. And not have that in there it doesn't make any sense. Right, right. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, I also think, you know, none of us can get here. We can't even get here without sexual energy. That's how we all got here. Right. That is how powerful it is. And so I wanted that kind of energy and that sensuality and sexuality to be present in my books and for people to be able to, um, you know, elevate our sense of sexual energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're talking about my journey one of the things that I kind of didn't really understand was kind of like, okay, how comes in yoga, that is, how comes we have a kind of tradition of celibacy, which of course you'll find in other religions as well. But if you go back and you look at the ancient traditions, then of course, They're celebrating the divine feminine. They're celebrating sexuality. They're celebrating the yoni. All of this, you know. And so for a moment, I didn't really understand how are these two things, how do they sit together? Why am I being told that celibacy is kind of to be advocated in terms of spiritual elevation when, I don't know, but celibacy probably doesn't work very long for people. Right. <laughs> that's, that's what seems to be, you know, that's what uh, the experience I seem to see as well. So that doesn't really work well for people for a prolonged period of time. That wasn't happening really in the yoga community. It's definitely not happening in the church. So, you know, our ancients had more kind of uh, matrilineal traditions where they just celebrated our sexuality, you know, that creativity, that essence and that energy that brought us all into being. Why wouldn't we give thanks for that? Right, right. Yeah. You know? Why would we we bury it? Yeah, and also, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, not only did it bring us into being, but also brings so much pleasure. Right. You know, those two things side by side, because it didn't need to be like that. speaking about that earlier today when I was talking how excited I was to have you and I was telling I was doing a little live and um, a lot of you know we, we you've met the goddess gang and we love, get, the, goddess love the goddess gang and we have we have male members of the goddess gang and this you know I get people to ask often like well why don't you call it something else since you allow men to be in it mm-hmm. and I said well shock you can't call shakti something else right 
this is the energy you don't need to, you don't need to. there's no, no there's no reason why you, the, the same energy that allows shiva to that that allows us to receive shiva is the mm-hmm. is the shakti energy That's so right. that goddess energy and i love i love seeing that you know communicated in a way that speaks to us because in this book you also um in addition to focusing on shiva and shakti as we know it from indian temples you also speak very much to um, african spirituality and the deities that we also know there and just i mean because there's so much information out there and there seems to be such a clear line that separates like you know the the far east from the east of africa and the and the traditions of africa and where how did you come into a space where you were able to kind of so succinctly pull them in together and, and and show the correlations not just with the energies and the deities but with the chakras like what how does that how does shola get to be like where do you come from yes. yeah so there's there's kind of two answers really to that question i think first of all i really needed to be able to bring these things together that was really important for me as a black woman to have a greater understanding of, to take things further back, to really understand things that I also felt a kind of part of. Mm -hmm. That was really important for me. And I'd already been teaching different forms of bodywork and yoga and therapeutic work. And I was teaching anatomy and physiology, all sorts of things. And everything seemed to start in Greece. No, and I'm just kind of like, that can't be right. (laughs) That just cannot be right. And so, I don't know, after a while, I think, you know, I got tired of not being part of that. You know, Mm -hmm. not being represented in that. Not being being able to see myself and my story in that. And and so I started, you know, I'm thinking, if you, any kind of healing, whether it's plants, whether it's touch, all of these kinds of healing, they, they go back to the first people. They go back to the very beginning of time. You know, if a baby cries, you touch that child. Yeah. You know, if there's some kind of ailment, you look for the correct herbs to heal. So these things go back to the beginning of time. And so I had a kind of need in some way also to understand these things, you know, so to kind of understand the history. And as I did more work internally as I did my own spiritual practice more and more and also as I did more kind of understanding my history I was able to see these connections you know and start to see how when we take things back to the very beginning of time so for example I was in a Buddhist meeting Mm-hmm. So I'm in this Buddhist meeting, doing my little meditation and everything, and they talk about Mount Meru. But Mount Meru is spoken about as a mythological mountain. It's seen as a mythological mountain in Buddhism. Mm. It is a mythological mountain where the gods up in the heavens on the top of the mountain create humans and send them down to earth. Okay. Now, for some reason, and I don't even know why I thought this, but I kind of felt that Miru was not a 
the mythological mountain. Um, so when we take things back, we find out that Meru, of course, is not a mythological mountain at all. It is an existing mountain in Tanzania, which I've mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. had the great pleasure of climbing. <laughs> <laughs> but That's it is, amazing. Yeah, it's a mythological mountain in, in Tanzania. Now, for the yoga teachers listening in, if you know of a posture that is called Dandasana, mm -hmm. then you will know that um, that is a posture where you're kind of upright. And so the base of the spine is the root chakra, mm -hmm. and the top of the head is the crown chakra, and in between is what we call the Meru Danda. So that is coming from the mountain Meru, which is an existing mountain, not a mythological one. So there are so many things also that are in the yoga practice right. that we see go right back. And of course, that mountain is the birthplace of humankind. Mm. So of course, the myths are telling us this. Right, right. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's all there. So what I did was a little more excavation, I guess. Yeah. You know, just a little more excavation because I needed that for my own soul, you know, in some way. And the second thing is that I remember I was sitting with my publishers when they kind of asked me the same question. Well, how did you put all of this together? Right. And I kind of looked at them and I said, but it was already together. <laughs> you know, the African spirituality and the chakra system and all of those things. It was already, I didn't put it together. Right. It is already together. You know, that was what had been lost. Mm -hmm. That's what was lost. And so what I did in some ways was, you know, kind of reclaim that, remember that, mm -hmm. you know, so that we can have that. So whereas I had to take a long old journey, now opening to spirit is there. It is. It is there, for real. It is. It is so there. Um, if you haven't gotten it, you can get it on Amazon. It is amazing. But you need to have it in your library. Your kids need to touch it. Their kids need to touch it. You should read it before you have sex again, just to clear shit up. Um, <laughs> and I just want to go That's back. because great you... <laughs> Do that. <laughs> I want to go back to touch and connection because a lot of this... Um, you know, you talked uh, the other day about touch, um, as a developing touch in the womb, mm -hmm. and coming, uh, understanding that connection. He, now, um, in I mean, I do a lot of coaching around sex and sexuality, and a lot of that, you know, when I talk about sex, I talk about reframing what you understand sex to be, mm -hmm. instead of just this penetrative act of intercourse, but this entire experience, and so much of that is touch. So much of how humans relate and receive the the healing that we get from um, from sex is is from the touch and the intimacy that happens there. And I wanted to just talk about being able to connect with that because one of the things with the sh understanding the chakra system differently as than than like the Google scholars. That's <laughs> what I you know because there's so much information that we have right. You put in root chakra right now and you'll get twenty five pages of 
root chakra information. Many, much of it conflicting sometimes. Well, um, definitely conflicting. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's just, why you have to do the practice. Yes. So that you come to a place of knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, because there is so much kind of conflicting information out there. You got to go inside, not out. Right. To get the real knowledge. But that's not what we do. We have we have all this all this internet at our hands, and we want to go get it quick. And so when we look at touch, and we look at the way in which we are connecting. Um, in our minds, a lot of people have this memory of, of touch becoming bad at a certain point, usually about age six, right? Where you couldn't really touch uncles and aunties anymore, or, or you couldn't touch your siblings, and you start to move away from touch because you start to get tall enough where a, adults um, knowingly and unknowingly move you from a, in, from a space of innocence into a space of, of um, demonized sexuality. You can't do this. And so that, that changes so much of how we relate to with touch. And one of the things about studying and understanding the chakras and, and healing that comes from that, for me, has been reframing the understanding of how we receive touch and how we, how we connect with it in, through each of our chakras, like in every space. And your um, that, that that reconnecting, I think, for for black folks who snatched away from that the you know the innocence. the innocence and the essence of, of African spirituality, and thrust into this this church that said the body was was sinful and shameful, and sex is something that outside of this context is just you know, the worst thing you can do and you'll be damned and go to hell, that reading something like this can kind of reframe that. But without having an understanding and moving in that light, um, someone said the other day they wanted a cheat sheet. Right. That they think, how do you, and not that you're going to give a cheat sheet because I didn't know the answer to that, but <laughs> how do you even begin to, um, to move into understanding, into... Um, into a different level of connection with, with touch, the body, and the chakra system. Beautiful. There's, there's so much in what you've just said. There's so much in that. Um, I think one of the things that I find really fascinating is, and I used to teach this when I was teaching somatic therapies, um, touch is the first sense to develop in the womb. You know, if you think about it, that's our skin. You know, the whole—it's the biggest kind of organ as well. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest organ of the body. The biggest organ in the body is the liver, mm -hmm. but the skin is the biggest organ of the body. And they both kind of do a very similar function. <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> so our um, touch—it's the whole body. You know, that's how we are first gaining information in the womb. So it's touch first, then sound, and then sight. Mm -hmm. But what tends to happen is once we're born, and we start growing a little bit, we reverse that. So we start relying on sight. You know, we see it. We need to see things to believe them. On hearing, and then touch is kind of somewhere down. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So touch. So we reverse that. And I think it's really important to, you know, look at 
how we integrate touch again and kind of bring that back in and recognize the importance of it because there's nothing like it right you know there really is nothing like it and we need it you know you cannot um you know for all kinds of reasons you know for our kind of serotonin and melatonin levels for our oxytocin for all of those things you know we need touch just for a sense of belonging um i was going to say actually as you were speaking and you were saying about touch in your work that's what in the tantric work that's one of the reasons that i love what you're doing as well because you have that kind of broad sense of what tantra is because of course you know tantra can become very very limited in terms of people's understanding of what it means and i'm talking to the ancients or even a kind of modern day kind of versions of what that might mean to us right now but we need to keep it broad right you right. know because that's where the real magic is and that's where the learning is and so i think just starting to integrate more touch and kind of recognize the importance of it as the kind of largest organ and also our first sense mm-hmm. yeah I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, I am so grateful just to have been able to be in your presence. I Shola has a mentoring program that I am signing up for, and um, I am going to be as proud to say my 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 mentor and teacher as well as my now friend because this week has been magical for me. And I'm very grateful. Can you let everyone know where... Well, first, before we do that, I was going to say, let everyone want to know where to find you. But before we do that, I want to speak a little bit because I found you and then I found this, this little gem. I'm holding this wellness temple journal. And um, I was... Um, I just... Can you just tell a little bit about this? Because I think people need to know. I'm, I'm working. I'm going to start um, changing the way in which I journal and take care of myself. But... What was your inspiration kind of behind starting this program? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think, and, you know, I'm sure your listeners will kind of resonate. I think that a lot of the time we know what we need to do, particularly spiritually, maybe less spiritually, but certainly for our wellness. You know, we know we need to exercise we know that we need to eat well, all of these things. And we kind of, we, we have a lot of information, thank you, good forever. You know, we have a lot of information, but when it really comes to putting it in practice, it seems that that's where people fall down. All right, so if you want to learn more about the Temple Wellness Journal, how to use it, and just more about Shola and the work that she does, you have two options. You can either fly to London and stay there for a few months and study underneath her, or you can come join, become a member of the Institute and register. Shola will be back here with her 10-day training and certification for life coaching, walking you through all the ways in which you use things, tools like the Temple Wellness Journal, and also just how to actually successfully create your own wellness um, and coaching practice. And I think it's really important, especially for those of us that are in sex work 
or in um, the sexual community in general for us to have some of these life coaching skills because sex is such a big part of our lives. So um, stay tuned. Come join over. You can join at www.patreon.com forward slash ATL Tantra. Become a member or at least stay tuned. Start following us on Patreon, even if you're not quite ready to commit to that whole big 100 pennies per month that you would have to commit to. Um, you can join Patreon at more, many levels, but at just a dollar a month, you start to get uh, updates that we have and updates for her visit. She'll be here in April of 2020. Again, it'll be a 10-day training, so you don't want to miss it. If you enjoyed this um, this interview and you enjoy some of her work and you want to learn more about incorporating spirituality into sexuality and how that ties in, especially with indigenous traditions and African tradition, please, this is the place. I mean, there's not a whole lot of other spots out there doing it and we're trying to make it accessible for you without having to book your flight over the pond and um, find someone to host you while you stay over there for a few months while you can't work. So yeah, anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and that's all we got. We are heading out to the Atlanta Tantra Fest um, this weekend. It is sold out. So I hope that some of you I will see at the Tantra Fest and for the rest of you, I will see you at next year's Tantra Fest. It will be October 2nd through the 4th of 2020. We're already on the books. You can already register if you missed your registration this year. Um, there's a promo that you'll see online and that promo is just going for the weekend of the festival. So go jump on it now because we sell out of the initial promo every year. All right. This will be our third year. So I can say every year now. Yay. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fix Your Sex Podcast. I can't wait to see you or to talk with you at the next one. Thank you and um, enjoy your pleasure-filled lives. Peace. Peace.